You're listening to The Jerry River Show. Now that's what I'm talking about. This is Amanda Walston. If you listened to our last show, you know that Walter Stedding is recovering from memory loss. What happened to him out on the lake was very disturbing for us all here at The Jerry Rivers Show. As much as Walter wants to fill in what happened in the missing 12 hours, management has required him to take a few days to recover. He wants you all to know that he's feeling physically much better now and will be back as soon as possible to follow up. The day that Walter made the recording on the lake, I was in the town of Finley at the foot of Mount Pogus. I made the drive out there to meet with Willie Caterbeck, who contacted us recently, saying she had, quote, much to tell about the rocks. You might remember that various references to rocks have come up since we began presenting these reports. Her home was a bit off the beaten path, to say the least, but it was a beautiful drive into the mountains. She greeted me outside her converted hunting cabin with two big dogs. Are you good with dogs? They're not mean, usually. Sure, I love animals. Amanda Walston, it's good to meet you. Likewise. This one's Mopsy, and that's Frankie. Mopsy! That's quite a mop you've got. Sometimes I wonder how she sees through it, you know? But you know it's all about the smells with them anyway. I was just about to take them out to the notch. You up for a walk? Absolutely. I'll just record our talk, if that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Well, you'll be glad you made the trip. I've been listening to your show. Thanks. The stories we've come across are different but contain a similar theme. And as you know, rocks come up a lot. Well, I got another one for you. I've been keeping quiet about it because, well, you know, I wasn't sure what people would think. Crazy lady living in the woods and all. You seem pretty down to earth to me. I keep to myself. But I know my mind. My family does have its oddballs, though. <laughs> it sure does. Let me bring us up to talking about your experiences by asking if any of the things we've heard sound familiar. Okay. We spoke to a woman from New York who followed her husband to some sort of meeting in which she alleges that children were made to listen to rocks that made a shearing sort of sound. In another interview, a woman who worked in television told us about a man in the audience holding rocks that made a similar noise the day that Alex Canby had his infamous psychotic episode on live TV. Are you aware of either of these stories? And does it match up with anything you want to tell us about? Well, I know about the first one from your show. But the second one, uh, well, that involved my family. Your family? I don't know if anyone knows it yet. And I thought somebody ought to. Are you related to Alex Canby? No, but he spoke in a voice that day that I recognize. But this won't make any sense unless I tell you the background. Please go on. When my brother Bo was young, he had a, an experience at the marsh in which his best friend went missing after falling off the rocks. He barely spoke for months, and he seemed to close himself off, you know? From other people, I mean. For reasons no one really understands, Bo brought one of those rocks home with him that day. 
He married Renee, the only one of us that could understand him. And they had a daughter, Judy. Bo opened up a little more with Renee around, and he loved his little girl. But sometimes tragedy just doesn't leave a family alone. They came to visit up here three or four times a year. Judy loved the dogs and walking with me through the pines, but I could see something was off about her from pretty early on. She sometimes stared out the window at night, and she talked about her favorite uncle a lot. One afternoon, I asked Renee who this uncle was, but she avoided the question until Judy was asleep that night. There was no Uncle Pate. He was an imaginary friend. Hmm. It's not uncommon for only children to have an imaginary friend. That's true. But her stories about her uncle were especially imaginative. She said he spoke to her through the rock her father had given her. And she said he sang to her sometimes, and she would see pictures in her mind. That is unusual. Sometimes she described people she knew. I asked how she met them, and she said she saw pictures of them when her uncle was singing to her. She even gave me names. I wrote them down and asked Renee and Bo about them. They had never heard any of the names. But the details were so exact, it was like they were real. She knew the towns where they lived and sometimes even the street. So I did some research, mostly in the phone book, and found people with those names living exactly where she said they lived. How is that possible? Could she have been contacted somehow by these people? I don't see how if Bo and Renee didn't know about it. They are very protective parents. And Judy's behavior got more unusual after that. Like her father, she closed herself off more and more. She had problems making friends. Her mother heard her awake late at night talking to people that weren't there in her bedroom. And she changed physically, too. How old was she? She was eight, well before puberty. This was something else. Her jawbone started to get bigger, and she had a lot of problems with her teeth. Renee took her to a dental specialist, but the problems, they just got worse. She became more and more closed off. Her mother threw her a party on her ninth birthday. What happened that night? was so terrible. It's, uh, Judy, she, uh, she, she killed the other children. Oh, God, how horrible. It was, but it did happen. Judy was put in an institution. I heard a lot more from Renee around that time. But Bo, he, he shut down even more. I just, I couldn't talk to him, I, I couldn't reach him. But the two of them drove up to see Judy at the institution, and, and they called that night from a motel on the way north about coming to visit the next day. But they never came. That was the day that we all heard Judy speaking through that game show host, telling her parents she was ready, saying that more had to die. But how could she, how could we hear her? <sighs> I really couldn't tell you. Just make of this what you will. I know your audience will think I'm a lunatic. 
I know the feeling. For what it's worth, I don't think you're a lunatic. I've always resisted using the word paranormal because of the connotations, but this can't be described any other way. Is there a way to contact Bo and Renee? If they could corroborate your story, then we... That, that would be hard. They tried to break Judy out of the institution that day. Bo is being held without bail, and Renee has disappeared. The missing persons report is two weeks old at this point. Either she doesn't want to be found, or worse. They might let you see Bo. I've been to visit him twice. He is really closed off, but he will talk about one thing. He still talks about the rocks. The police report says he was holding one when he was apprehended. I don't know what it could mean, what these rocks could have to do with anything. But they've been there in the background through this entire tragedy. That's all the time we have today. Many thanks to Willie Caterbeck for being brave enough to tell her harrowing story. We'll pick this up again next time. Thanks for listening to Under Dead Water, Episode 9. Our cast this week was Amanda Goodman and Aaron Lillis. Music is by Glomag. Join us each week on Twitch for a chat with the cast, music performances, and horror trivia on twitch.tv slash wondervillenyc or hear it on our Discord. Details are in the show notes. Become a patron of Mandible Judy and get access to our Motherload editions, special extended episodes, and bonus music tracks. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and the show is available on iTunes and all major streaming services. Until next week, this is Chris Burke. Thanks for listening.